Well, hey there, guys. On today's episode of The John Campy Show, Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting the Oscars. Carrie Ann Moss, the whole cast, and the synopsis for the new Star Wars show, The Acolyte. Amsterdam flopped so badly that they're moving it over to streaming really early. Black Adam wins the box office again, but it looks like it's going to lose money. Westworld gets canceled. We all know about that. We're going to talk about Rewind, the films that turned 10 and 20 years old this week. A lot of stuff to cover today. Uh, we already said Westworld got canceled. Wakanda Forever is on track to maybe be a top 10 biggest opening film of all time. That and Steven Spielberg may be directing a Superman movie. Is it just rumors or is there something to it? That and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet at the John Campus Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia. Welcome to a new glorious Monday, and thank you for making this show part of your day. I'm joined, of course, by Robert Meyer Burnett. We got Chris Carr sitting back there. Joining you guys in the live chat is the one and the only Ray Aura. He's down running there somewhere. Running the show today. What's that? He's down there somewhere. <laughs> He's, yeah, yeah, he keeps sinking. He's just, his posture is terrible. Sitting beside him, of course, running the show is Jonathan Boyko. Back guy. there behind him, you see Taylor Gonzalez. And we got Kaylee Robinson in here as well today. And most importantly, you guys are here. And we are so glad you're here making the show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go, guys. We break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. The way you get a live comment or question is you got to, number one, be watching live. And number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That'll be your time to fire in your thoughts, theories, comments, and questions. And we will address those in the second half of the show. And guys, we got a hell of a lot of stuff to cover here today. But one quick announcement. You guys know we have relaunched the Weekly Hero. Well, it's gone so well, we've decided to make the show live. We've been doing it pre-recorded. But starting today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time on Mondays, the Weekly Hero with Robert Meyer Burnett and Chris Carr wow. will be live Yay. at 3 p.m. So make sure you guys come on in and join us for that. Okay, guys, we've got an F load of stuff to talk about <laughs> here today. So let's dive right into it, shall we? First off the top is this. Now, for those of you guys who've watched me for any period of time, you know that my second favorite day of the year is Christmas. Not my birthday, or sorry, Christmas is my first favorite day of the year. My second favorite day of the year is the Oscars. Not my birthday, not my wedding anniversary. Oof. Trouble now. But the Oscars is my second favorite day of the year. Now, one of the things that's been going on with the Oscars is do they have a host, do they not have a host, all that kind of stuff. There was the one year they had them in the train station when they should have just canceled the Oscars. I've made that argument about 40 different times. But this year's Oscars are moving forward. We have a date and... We have a host because according to The Hollywood Reporter, Jimmy Kimmel is set to host the Oscars. I believe this will be his third time hosting the Oscars. Yeah. And the Oscars are going to be, again, a little bit later than traditionally. Traditionally, the Oscars are in the last week of February, but it's going to be on March 12th. So March 12th is when the Oscars are going to be held. Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting. Okay, so here are my thoughts on this. I am, for those of you who've watched me for any period of time, you know that I actually prefer the idea of an actual movie personality hosting the biggest night of movies. Call me crazy. 
I just kind of like it when they take that approach. So, you know, when Billy Crystal was hosting the Oscars or Steve Martin hosts the mm -hmm. Oscars uh, or anything along those lines, we won't talk about the James Franco one. That one didn't work out so well. Poor Anne Hathaway. Poor Anne Hathaway. And you know what? Listen, I was talking to somebody this morning about a year and a half before everything went down. I advocated for like two years that, you know, who should be hosting the Oscars. Kevin Spacey should be hosting the Oscars Ooh. every year. Uh, no, 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 no. At the time. Uh, he's available. <laughs> he's, he's totally free right now. He's got a lot of time on his hands. At the time, you have to understand, he's a song and dance man. He's hilarious. Oh, big you. movie personality. He started as a stand-up. He, he started in stand-up, and he is a bona fide Hollywood historian. That didn't age well. No. No, no, no. That didn't age well, so maybe not that. Now, that aside, despite the fact that I prefer my Oscar hosts to be movie personalities, I got to say, I thought Kimmel did a really fine job. I, I Now, is he as good as Billy Crystal? No. But was he solid? And I think he was solid. So, yeah, I'm just happy they're going to have an actual host kind of being the MC of the evening. I think this is a good, it's also a safe pick. I think it's a good, safe pick. Um, they can try to get a little more gutsy with their picks maybe later on. But listen, the Oscars right now is a boat that is swaying a lot, right? They need to steady the ship. This could be a good pick. So I like the selection, to be honest with you. Don't I'm not jumping out of my chair about it, but I think it's a pretty good, solid, safe pick. And I think he'll do a good job again. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Should they go without hosts continuing? Do you like the selection of Jimmy? What do you think? No, I, I, I like a host, John. I've always liked a host. And like you, I would prefer a movie personality of some kind. However, for those of you who don't know LA, Jimmy Kimmel's studio is literally across the street yes, yeah. it is. from the Dolby Theater. So I was like, well, you know, if they can't get someone, let's get the dude who's right across the street and can get here on time without traffic problems, you know, so <laughs> who already has a parking space. No, I like Jimmy Kimmel as a host. I mean, he's amiable and, and um, he'll move the show along and it'll be fine. You know, it won't be dynamic. And I don't think he's going to come out and do Billy Crystal's Oscar, 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 you know, and I used to like that, mm -hmm. but he'll be a good host and, and move it along. And I think, you know, the thing is he knows a lot of these people. And I do kind of like that. Of yeah, he knows all these people and, and he is well liked in the industry. And I think the fact that, I don't know, he can generate a warmth, I think, that's okay <laughs> for the show. I mean, it's not, it's not dynamic and it's not going to, but I think it's, a, it's fine. Chris, you hear about this. What Do you think it would have been better to go without a host? Uh, maybe there were some, five other people that would have been better. Do you like the selection, Jimmy? And over under 80% that a Matt Damon gag will be worked into the Oscars oh, somehow, some way. A thousand percent over. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. I'm a little more optimistic than Rob. I think Jimmy will do a, a, quite a good job here. You know, job. We'll, we'll get a good team of writers on board to help him really flesh this thing out. I like it going back to having a singular host because unless you have a dynamic duo, like if we got like a Steve Martin and a Martin Short kind of duo up there again, I think that works. Last year's three hosts was a little too many cooks in the kitchen. Oh, I'll, um, I'll go so far as to say it was a clusterfuck. Yeah, there, there, there were, were moments. Good moments. There, there were, were very good yeah. moments for sure. There were but flashes think, of gold and then, ooh, no. Yeah, then overall it was um, kind of a mess. There were a lot of, lot of bad moments. But I think this will do well. And, you know, I also just have a soft spot for Jimmy Kimmel. Fun fact, my ex-boyfriend was cast as his lookalike. Really? He did a gag on the show and I moved here and was like, oh my God, Ben, <laughs> I'm so happy you're working. Yeah. 
That's good to know. I mean, listen again, I, I think he has been solid on the show. I think he will continue to be solid. You're right, Rob. You bring up a great point that he literally knows all these people. So he, as the host, could probably talk a lot of them into doing some really yes. edgy, more edgy stuff, maybe even a little bit self-deprecating uh, stuff and things like that. So it's probably a really good pick on that point. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about Jimmy Kimmel hosting the Oscars again? I, again, I think it's a the book is rocking. They need somebody to steady it. I think this is a pretty one to go with. I mean, the only other be better pick to do that, I think, would be to bring back Billy Crystal again. But other than that, I think Kimmel's not bad. How do you feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump into the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right. With that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. You know, one of the films that had a lot of people excited coming out of CinemaCon this year was the new Christian Bale, John David Washington, Margot Robbie film, Amsterdam. I mean, working with an Oscar-level director that has worked with Christian Bale, a lot of these people before, it looked like it was going to be one of these Oscar-bait kind of movies, and we were all so excited about it, and that was Amsterdam. And then, of course, it tanked not just with the critics and, and people who saw the movie, but also at the box office. Who would have thought? Now, listen, I could have won a lot of money if I could have gone back in time six months and then placed a wager that there's this little indie horror film coming out called Smile and this Oscar-laden movie called Amsterdam. One is going to make $250 million at the box office. One is going to make $25 million. Amsterdam will be the $25 million one. Oh my God, if I could have gone to Caesar's sports book and placed a bet, I would be a rich man today. But that's the reality. There's a movie about that. Yeah, it's called uh, Back to the Future 2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, yes. I am oh the Biff of this universe <laughs> with my NFL scoring guide. I, I mean, if you had told me that Smile would make 200 and something million and Amsterdam would make 25, but that's reality. And now as a result of that incredible flop, I mean, this is probably going to be the most notable flop of the year is this one, is the fact that Disney has put out a press release saying that, surprise, they are rushing ahead with the digital release of Amsterdam. Uh, it's going to come out a little bit sooner than expected, and I don't think the theatrical exhibitors are going to have any problem with them rushing this one to release since nobody is going to see this thing in the theater. And it's getting an early release on November 11th now. I think they're doing it the same way before. It'll get a digital release, then Blu-ray comes sometime in December or something like that. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Any surprises here about this? And what is this? What kind of footnote does this put on the run of Amsterdam? Well, I guess that it was Amsterdammed. Yes. No. Monday, everybody. Thank you. I take no pleasure in this, John. I mean, I was excited for this movie. Um, David O. Russell is an auteurist filmmaker. I've enjoyed his movies all the way back to Three Kings. I think he's great. You know, and he's he's done some hit and miss things, but and this cast is amazing. He's got a great cast. It's not just the three principals. There's a, there's a secondary cast here that's pretty amazing as well. I just think, like, I just think that the storyline. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, who are you making this movie for? In this day and age, you've also got to know your audience. And while we saw the trailer, I thought the first trailer we saw at CinemaCon, the footage, it was really, really good. It, it appealed to me, but it looked incredible. It looked incredible. And then when it came out, I mean, I don't want to, I hate playing Monday morning quarterbacking like I knew. I didn't know I wanted to see this movie, you know, but there was something about it that just didn't ultimately, even when I heard more about what it was about, I was like, oh. 
You know where you didn't hear what it was about? The trailers. Well, yeah. The trailers never told anybody what the movie was about. No. And and so it's like, so why should we go see it? Yeah. And I I just, I I was kind of bummed out that all of this great talent was put in. And and this is, you know, when the filmmakers like James Cameron and Martin Scorsese, they talk about, wow, well, comic book movies are dominating, you know, the, the theaters. Well, it's because movies like this are not. And, you know, I, I hate to say it. I wish we had more of a, a steady diet of different kinds of movies putting out by the st- being put out. But if they're not making money, if a star power, star driven, auteur driven movie can't make it in the marketplace, they're not going to make them. So on one hand, I, I really wish that this movie was really successful and, and people loved it, but it wasn't. You know, as a side note, we we're, we didn't do this as an off the top just because we're just too full today, but a brand new trailer for Glass Onion just came out. Mm-hmm. The new Knives Out too, right? This trailer is perfection. Dude. And, and here's, and I'm and to juxtapose it against Amsterdam here, right? Whereas Amsterdam says, look, everybody, big famous people you know, come to the theater. What's it about? We're not going to tell you that. The new trailer for, for Glass Onion. This trailer, I know what this movie's about. And it didn't give anything away. It didn't give anything away. And it told me what the movie was about. And I and now I am more excited than ever. Me too. Amsterdam, now, I'm not saying that's the only reason Amsterdam flopped at $25 million. There were obviously other reasons, but I think that's one of the players involved here. Anyway, Chris, you saw this. You were with us at CinemaCon. Mm-hmm. We were all excited about yeah. this film. Yeah. What do you think about these uh, latest moves? I mean, it makes sense. No one seeing this movie and those who did, didn't enjoy it. Yeah. You know, the biggest criticisms have been it's long, it's messy, it's convoluted. This is a waste of these actors, which is such a disappointment. And then the advertising itself just relied on hey here are these three tremendous actors plus a whole bunch of really fun cameos Mm -hmm. that's enough right yeah that's enough it's not you got to tell us what something is for us to go especially for i think your average moviegoer you know we got to give them a little something more than hey this might be a you know awards darling you know i think you have to get a little bit more of a lead on this to get people's butts in seats i agree and that's why i think fableman's is not going to be a 400 million dollar film but because the the nature of the film, yeah. But you're going to see Fablemans do a lot better because again, Fablemans is is not just it's from Steven Spielberg. It's got all that those other catches that Amsterdam had. But it's also I watched that trailer. It's like I can tell you what this movie's about. Exactly. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Amsterdam is probably going to be maybe not the biggest money loser of the year, but probably the most notable flop of the year. And now they're rushing it on to digital streaming. How do you feel about that? What's your take on it? Whatever it is, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's do a third off the top here, shall we? And that is this. Speaking of announcements that came out a while ago, of course, it's got to be two and a half years ago now that that infamous famous, amazing Disney Investor Day's, Investor's Day call came out that dropped a thousand more bombs than D23 did or Comic-Con or whatever. It was an incredible event. But one of the things that got me most excited, other than Shogun, that was my number one most exciting thing. There's Shogun. that, by the way. Well, there, yeah. was a, there was a little bit of talk of that a few weeks ago, but was the Acolyte. Something about this idea of Star Wars, the Acolyte, looking at it a little bit from a dark side perspective, about somebody getting into the Sith or whatever it was. I had no idea what it was going to be about, but the concept sounded exciting to me because I'm one of those Star Wars fans that have complained for a long time. Let's start expanding Star Wars and not just telling the same damn stories all the time. Some of those same stories are still pretty great, but let's do something new. And this sounded new. And now we're getting some more details about the casting. 
and an idea about what the show is about. So this comes to us from Variety, who wrote, writes that the Star Wars series, The Acolyte at Disney Plus, has announced the full cast as production now gets underway. In addition to the previously announced lead, uh, Amanda Steinberg, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these names as I always do. The series will officially star, star Lee Jung Jae, of course, from Squid Game, uh, Manny uh, Yacinto from Nine Perfect Strangers, Daphne Keene from Logan, Jody Turner-Smith, who's ruling the world right now from Queen and Slim, Rebecca Henderson from Eventing Anna, Charlie Barnett from Russian Doll, who of course worked with the series runner from Russian Doll, Dean Charles Chapman from 1917, and I didn't know about this, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. yeah. The Matrixes and the Netflix MCU's Carrie Ann Moss uh, have joined the series. And the description sounds like everything I want this show to be. This, of course, is also from Variety who wrote, per the official series description, the Acolyte is described as a mystery thriller. You got me hooked right there. As a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So once again, we're getting into a new whole, whole new era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Hair on my arms standing up. I love it. Mystery thriller going into a brand new era. Of course, they've been doing High Republic stuff with the books and everything, but this is going to be the first live action, you know, venture into that. I love that. Dark Side Powers, former Padawan master, a whodunit crime investigation. This is everything that I want to hear. Now, does that mean it's going to be awesome? No, it could totally choke <laughs> just like Book of Boba Fett did. Maybe it will. But as far as things that I could hear now that would either get me excited or turn me off, this does nothing but excite me. I think this sounds fantastic. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. The cast is stacked. Mm -hmm. Much like uh, Andor or House of the Dragon, they don't seem to be going necessarily just for names. They're going for acting talent and things like that. Carrie Ann Moss joining it as well. The synopsis we've got. I don't know. Yeah. What's standing out to you? I mean, I'm really hyped about Manny Jacinto. I love him so much. He was so good on The Good Place. And then he was one of the shining lights in Nine Perfect Strangers because that show was a little messy. But he's so good. He's so talented. I'm so excited to see him in more stuff. He's one of the voice actors in the English dub of Belle, which you all know I love very much. He's wonderful in it. Um, I love this plot. I love the synopsis because we're doing more of that. Hey, we live in the Star Wars universe, but let's play in different sandboxes, right? Let's do things with different genres. And while we are going to have Jedi and we are going to be talking about the force and all that mysticism, having that really fun intrigue plot here is going to be really cool. I'm a big Jillian Flynn, Agatha Christie girl. So whenever you give me a murder mystery, ooh, I'm a happy camper. I think it's gonna be fun. Now, Rob, executed I, well. I know you got excited when you found out that the showrunner and everything of Russian Doll oh, dude. was going to be running this show, which not on the same level as the dude from uh, Chernobyl uh, running Craig The Last Hayes. of Us, but still, this is pretty good. So you've been on board with this for a while. What do you think of the new description? Well, li out? like you, I mean, I love, if I tell you how much detective fiction I read, whether it's the the Bosch novels, the Michael Connolly stuff, or James Lee Burke, or uh, it's embarrassing. So to hear that this is a murder mystery or it's a mystery of some kind. Crime that thriller. Crime thriller. I'm like, count me in. I mean, I this sounds so cool to me. And, you know, unlike, I like the idea of the High Republic era. I wasn't so keen on what they actually put out, like the comic books and stuff, but I like the era, like the height of the Republic. You know, everything is glowing and everybody's working. There's no, there's no dark cloud 
yet that you see you know that and I, this this whole thing i mean like you it makes my hair stand on end i'm so excited for this the idea and the cast are getting oh, john i gotta say i want to see carrie ann moss in the dark robes of a sith you gotta make carrie ann moss i want a hot toy of carrie ann moss as a sith lord then i can modify her as trinity but i want carrie ann moss to be bad i'm wielding I'm, a lightsaber i'm i know nothing i know nothing i don't either I am betting yes, she's Jon probably going to be the Chancellor of the High Republic. Probably right. I mean, I, I I don't know that. I'm just taking a wild guess. But now that, that you're talking about a Sith, and I'll get what I want. Oh, I would love that too. Like, <laughs> yeah, that'll no. that'll work majorly for me. So anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? The cast is clearly outstanding. The talent level is incredible. I love the description of the series. I'm in completely intrigued. That's actually going to take place in a very different time period. That's not something we've had in live action before. How do you guys feel about this? Hey, listen, maybe you've been turned off by the Star Wars show because of things like Obi-Wan and the Book of Boba Fett. Maybe you're intrigued by it. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to take just a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of my show, the, the guys who actually fueled my breakfast this morning as I drank it down as I do every morning, our friends at Athletic Greens. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Athletic Greens. Now, I started taking Athletic Greens because I don't eat enough vegetables, and I was looking for a way to make up for that deficit in my diet of those vitamins and minerals that I really needed in my system, and thank goodness I found Athletic Greens, and I literally take it every morning. You see, with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, all the things. And my wife got onto it and now she absolutely loves it. You know, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb like Athletic Greens. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash campia again that's athleticgreens.com slash campia to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and thank you to our friends at athletic greens for making sure i get the proper amount of nutrients in my day and for being a sponsor of the john campia show okay guys with that down kaylee what do we got up next? Next up is our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you have a question and you want your voice to be heard on the show, go ahead and call the number on the screen, 951-268-4259. And today's question comes to us from Emmanuel, and he's asking about the 10th installment for the Fast and Furious franchise. Hey, John and crew. It's Emmanuel from Springfield, Virginia, longtime fan of the show. We're only six months away from the new Fast and Furious 10 movie. I'd like to know what are your guys' thoughts? We haven't seen a trailer or a teaser. Any updates yet? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. You know, it it was funny when I heard this call come in about it's only six months away. And I was like, no, it's, oh, it is. 
Fast 10 is literally just six months away at this point. It's six months and a few days away before it comes out. And now look, we, we talk about this a lot on the show where we no longer live in that stupid era where movies started putting out trailers 10 months before they came out or, or even for the most part, six months before the trailers come out because they learned and they realized we're just wasting our money because by the time so much time elapses between that first trailer comes out, it no longer has any impact on the momentum or the buzz leading into the movie. And so we've seen that window shrinking and shrinking between when a movie comes out and when they actually put out the first trailer. So am I surprised that we haven't got a trailer for Fast 10 yet? No. Not surprised by that at all. I wouldn't expect one for at least another couple of months, to be honest with you. But there's more to marketing and ad campaigning than just a trailer. And we have not seen any promotional images. We've not heard any real significant news come out. I mean, a couple months ago, we had Vin Diesel taking pictures with everybody on the set saying, look, everybody likes me uh, sort of thing after coming out of, you know, the director leaving the film and all that kind of stuff. So we've had some of that, but nothing official, nothing that's actually been a part of a marketing campaign. Am I surprised by that? Actually, yeah, I am surprised by that a little bit. Here's what I would attribute this to. I think that while on paper, it didn't look like much time elapsed between when the director left and when they went and got a new director. But I think that gap may be longer than we as the public knew. And I cannot help but wonder just wonder if that may have thrown them off schedule a bit. Again, I'm basing this on pure speculation. Okay. Let's be clear about that. And I wonder if it's going to be able to hold that release date. Now I have, I've heard no credible information that suggests that they're not going to be able to hold or anything like that. It just makes me wonder. So am I surprised we haven't got any trailer yet? Not surprised at all. I wouldn't expect one for another month or two. Surprised that we haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, I am. Because usually by now, the the lower tier, the under the line, if you will, marketing campaign usually starts to build up by this point. Haven't seen it, especially a billion dollar franchise like Fast and the Furious. So not surprised there's no trailer. And I think there might be a 5% chance that maybe this movie doesn't make its release date. Mm-hmm. I, again, don't run to the bank with that. That's just me speculating. But Rob, you know, Fast 10 is a major tentpole film. One that Universal is going to rely on he- heavily. The movie's six months away. We haven't heard a peep about it. Does that surprise you at all? Is it really, at this point, it's really no news is good news? What do you think? I think no news is good news. John, as you know, I love this franchise. Loved this franchise. I love The Drift. I call it The Drift, just like The Rad is The Rad. I love The Drift. I love Fast Five. I think Fast Five is a masterpiece of action gobbledygook. I love it. I hated Fast 9. As a matter of fact, I don't think anything killed my love of a franchise faster. I, when I think about Fast 9 and Rise of Skywalker, I would be hard-pressed to answer which one I'd least want to see. That, I mean, you know how much I didn't like the last uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker. You know how much I hated that movie. Fast 9 was worse. Fast 9 was worse. I mean, and I hated it. I mean, at least, at least Rise of Skywalker was in space. You know, actually, so was Fast Nine. Maybe that's why. So I, I mean, it was. I just hated it, and it kill, it killed my love of the franchise dead. So, and the fact that they switched. I mean, Justin Lin saved that franchise, and what I loved about the Fast and the Furious franchise, he instilled in it, beginning with the drift, and the fact that he was moved away, and the fact that Vin Diesel was responsible for Fast Nine and Justin Lin, you know 
did direct that. I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I think that the <laughs> fact that we haven't heard anything is not good. Right. And because Vin Diesel's very loquacious on social media. He puts up pictures on his Instagram feed. I haven't heard anything. Isn't like, isn't Louis Leterrier directing? Yeah, it? they got him to come in. You know, who was my director on my Incredible Hulk movie? Yeah, and and while Louis Leterrier uh, isn't a bad director, it's not like he's a list, you know, and it's not like he'd been doing a lot of franchise pictures at the billion dollar level. Uh, I, I like him though. I, I do, do like too. Him, I do too. I do too. But um, yeah, I'm not real. I'm not real up on it. Look. They did not give me justice for Han in Fast 9. And uh, they're not going to give justice to this franchise, I don't think. It's going to go out with a whimper and not a bang. All right. So we move from Rob's pessimism over to the eternal sunshine of the Chris mind. Yeah. Chris, I don't know. I like that. (laughs) What do you think about this? Six months out, not a word yet. Should Mm -hmm. we be surprised? Is it no news? Or I don't know. What do you think? As the most devoted fan to this (laughs) franchise, having only seen Hobbs and Shaw. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly think we do find out things usually further down the pipeline, right? When a story breaks, rarely is it news to the people involved in a film, right? Usually we have people let us know the information, the director leaving everything. I feel like they had all of that kind of tied up and handled before that got to us. Yeah. Um, you know, we were having a whole bunch of uh, posts and, and photos and everything, right? When we were getting all the new casting news and everything up front. At this point, I feel like no news is good news. For mm. for those of you who are fans of this franchise about cars and the Olive Garden, I assume. <laughs> no good news is good news. I like the Olive Garden. But, I, I, I well, don't know. Because when you're there, you're family. Yes. So yes. And then when wow. you leave, you have diarrhea. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I looked. Side note, don't care. The soup and bread deal at Olive Garden. I'm not going to poo the, the best things ever. soup salad and breadsticks. That. That's yeah. great. So, but, you know. fettuccine Alfredo. It'll kill you, but it's great. It it tastes really good. I know, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this whole thing? Fast 10 is now only six months away. It's crazy, but we've heard nothing about it. Maybe that's perfectly fine and all is calm. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe yes, maybe no. All speculation at this point. But what do you guys think? Whatever those thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down... And before we go on into our main topics, it's game time. Oh, we're going to play a little game here. And it's kind of a new take on it. Thanks to one of our viewers who wrote in a suggestion. We're going to play. We call this game movie quotes. And it's very, very simple game. It's a lot like password. Here's how movie quotes is going to work in each round. And there's going to be four rounds. There is a movie. And I'm going to give the first player a quote from that movie. If they can guess it on the first quote, They will get four points. If not, we move on to the next player and they will get another quote from that movie. If they can guess it, they'll get three points. Then we go on two points, one point, whatever, until we go through all four rounds to see who can get it. We invite you guys to play along at home. Players, I'm going to have you guys close your laptops down because competing in this is going to be Rob, Chris, Ray, and Kaylee. They're all participating in this. And so, uh, just for fun, we're going to start with Chris. No, yay. For round number one. Okay. All right, Chris, here we go. You got this. Your first quote for our first movie is, come find me when you wake up. Come find me when you wake up. And your guess in three, two, one. It's just in there now because Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. But that's Meet Me in Montauk. Never mind. 
Okay. All right. So the first clue, the first quote is come find me when we, you wake up. Kaylee, we go over to you. The second quote from the movie is character one says, what do we do now? Character two says, I don't know. We've never gotten this far. Oof. What do we do now? I don't know. We've never gotten this far. And your guess in three, two, one time okay so we move over to ray now are you really yep we're moving over to ray so the first quote was come find me when you wake up second quote is what do we do now i don't know we've never gotten this far and your third quote is stop wait 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 stop wait a second wait a second i've been thinking i mean this thing is in my blood so maybe there's some way i can transfer it to you oh i think i know and your guess in three Two, one. Incredible Hulk. Incorrect, but I love the guess. I love the guess. All right. If I don't get another quote, can I get three points? No. His was worth two. Yours is going to be worth one point now. Rob, your final quote. Edge of tomorrow. All you need is kill. Live, die, repeat. That is correct for one point. The final quote is going to be, battle is the great redeemer. It is the fiery crucible in which true heroes are forged. The one place where all men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic scum they were going in. And Rob goes into the lead. I would not have gotten that. With one point. All right. Yay me. Good job, Rob. We move on. To the second round, we have a total of four rounds, and we're going to start with Kaylee Okay. with this one. So for this movie, the first quote is, they came to the conclusion that men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. They came to the conclusion that men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Wonder Woman. For four points! Whoa! Yes! Taylor! I had no idea. Wonder Woman, the, the, the remaining three quotes were, if we can get see if we can get those up on the screen, the remaining three quotes were, this is no man's land, it means that no man can cross it. The next quote was going to be, uh, I understand that I'm willing to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. I Nobody cares what the quotes were, because you got it! So Kaylee rushes Yay! into the lead. Hey. She's in the lead. Four points. Rob has one point. Chris and Ray still have zero, but there's still Yay, eight us. points up for Gray. For zero Rob. plus zero equals... <laughs> So, Ray, we move over to you now for round number three. The first quote for round number three are, It's a lot easier to be brave when you've got lives to spare. It's a lot harder when you only have one life. Terminal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, man. I I, I was warning you. This game is not for me. All right, incorrect. Terminal will be it. It is not the terminal. Rob, we move over to you for three points. Your second quote from this movie is, look, I just think you live in like the hot popular girl bubble, you know, where everybody either treats you like you're a princess or like an object. What's the first quote? Can you put the first quote up too? Uh, I'm going... Yeah, that was different. Uh, It's a lot easier to be brave when you've got a life to spare. It's a lot harder when you only have one life. And your guess in three, two, one, time. I don't know. Okay. So, Chris, we go over to you. For two points, here is your third quote. Okay. And the third quote is, why am I wearing this outfit in a jungle? Tiny little shorts <laughs> and a leather is. halter top. I mean, what is this? Jumanji. Jumanji for two Yay! points. Yes. Yes. So, everybody is still in this game. We've no, got uh, <laughs> Kaylee is in the lead still Three with four points. A while ago. Chris is in second with two. Rob is in third place with one point. You All right. Ready? 
I'm okay. And now we go no, no, over just, to Rob for our fourth and final round. Fourth and final round. Rob, your first quote for four points and to win the game is this. I shall call him Squishy, and he shall be mine, and he shall be my Squishy. Come on, Squishy. Come on, little Squishy. I don't know. And I do know. Okay. I can't even think. Chris, we go over to you. It's Finding Nemo. For three points and the win, it is Finding Nemo. Your winner of the inaugural movie quotes competition is, and what, her third win overall? It's because we're not playing for someone. Oh, that's right. We forgot to play for somebody. Next time we'll play for somebody. When there's the pressure of trying to give one of you guys a a Funko, So first place, Chris Carr. Second place, Kaylee. Third place, Rob. Fourth place, Ray. Uh, Guys, that was movie quotes. Let us know what you thought of this little game. If you liked it, if you liked playing along or not, whether we should play this one again. Let us know what you guys think. All right. That's not. (laughs) With that now down and out of the way, guys, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campion Show? Well, that's simple. You guys come up with our main topics. This is where we need you. Because whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campion Show. With that down, Kaylee. What's our first main topic today? John, our first main topic comes from We Talk About Bruno. Hey, crew. Black Adam has finished its third week, and it barely crossed $300 million worldwide. With Black Panther coming this week to kick Black Adam out of his box office throne, it doesn't look like things will improve for the film. Is it safe to say now that Black Adam is a box office bomb? Thanks, and keep up the good work. John, do you consider Black Adam a bomb? Okay, so... Here's the thing. Black Adam, we've said it a million times, not that great of a movie, but infinitely enjoyable and fun. I had a really good time watching it. I've seen it a few times in theaters. But it's a movie that clocking in at like $200 million, it and with it spending about $100 million on marketing, it needs to come in at about four hundred and fifty. Because you got to remember, you got to subtract about the one-third that theaters take. It needs to come in at about four fifty to break even. After its third weekend at the box office, it sits at under 320 million. That means the vast majority of the audience who is going to go see it has already seen it. And the real spike in the coffin here is Black Panther opens this week. And not a lot of people are going to be going to see Black Adam this weekend. Now, as of right now, and let's go over to my screen here, Jonathan, for a second. As we look at the weekend box office, Black Adam made $18.5 million, which is only 32% drop from its second weekend, which is still not bad. The problem, of course, though, for Black Adam is the fact that that still means that it's made $319 million at the box office when really it needs to get to four fifty. It needs about another $130 million to go, and I don't know that there's $130 million there to be had, especially with Black Panther opening up. Uh, just as an interesting note there, you look at the other thing with One Piece film, didn't make the $16 million people said it was going to make, but still making nearly $10 million is pretty damn impressive. Yay. Ticket to Paradise only took a 13% drop, making $8 million. Smile continues to crush it. It's in the top five still after six weeks of release, and it has made $202 million. Paramount, baby. 
202 million dollars for like a 20 million dollar film wow. that they made with this thing which is just pretty freaking incredible so good on them all right so would i consider black adam a bomb at this point here's the thing i think unfortunately at the end of the day this is a movie that's going to end up losing money but is it gonna do we call any movie that loses a dollar a bomb i i don't think so like i i don't consider that i think you got to get into the you know the 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 double digits of losses and millions and while i think this thing will lose money it's hard to call any movie that approaches 400 million dollars at the box office a bomb because that's better than 95 98% of all movies ever made in history so it's still pretty good and i think it'll be good enough that warner brothers will continue down this black adam path i mean yeah okay we lost a little bit of money on this one but the audiences that saw it really liked it and we think we can build on that momentum moving forward so you know if it made if it ended up making 200 million dollars then no they would have killed the black adam experiment but I do think it's going to be a money loser, but I would not consider it a bomb. And I do think it's made enough that it's going to continue to move forward. Anyway, Rob, we look at these numbers. We've talked a lot about the performance of Black Adam. How do you see this in its totality now? Well, I mean, look, it did have the hold that this movie had. I was reading an analysis of this over the weekend, and it was actually performing better than Hobbs and Shaw was. Right. I, I just... Uh, Black uh, Panther is stopping it in its tracks. Yes. Worldwide. So, unfortunately, that's a juggernaut that Black Adam is... One black movie is going to cancel out another black movie, unfortunately. So, Black Adam is not going to survive the onslaught of Black Panther. And, and I look, I understand that. But I, if it gets a China release, I st we still haven't heard definitively. Is it not going to get a we China release? We still don't know definitively. I think, I think if it gets a Chinese release... And you know what? I mean... Maybe people want to go see two superhero movies. I, I mean, I don't think so. Everyone's going to see Wakanda Forever. I know I'm going to go see Wakanda Forever. But, you know, people people do like Dwayne Johnson. And if people keep going to see Black Panther, it might be Black surprising. Adam, mean. I mean, pardon me, Black Adam. If people go see Black Adam, we know they're going to see Black Panther and Mass. But maybe it could continue making money. I mean, we don't we don't know. It's not going to make a lot of money. But what if it came out as number two? Or number three. And, you know, the thing about Wakanda, I'm going to start calling it Wakanda Forever. Yes. Of, and yeah. That would help me in, in, <laughs> in the way. I've, but but Wakanda Forever, you know, when people are excited about movies in general, they go see other movies. And I think that, you know, there's there's a the fact that there are two. It's kind of cool that Black Panther and Black Adam. I don't know why. That just seems that appeals to me. That's kind of cool. I mean, if you're going out with your friends, you're going to go see Wakanda Forever. Why not go see Black Adam again? Here's the problem, though. A double, a, a superhero double feature. <laughs> That's great if this was going to be Black Adam's opening weekend. Right. The reality is this is going to be Black Adam's fourth weekend. Yeah. And even without this juggernaut coming down the road called Black Panther Wakanda Forever, it looks like it's already run out of steam on its own. Yeah. So it, it, that becomes problematic. I don't know, Chris, you see this. What do you think mm -hmm. the prospects are here for Black Adam moving forward? You know... Earlier, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. It was, if they don't make this money, I think this is the end of it. And honestly, I'm at the point now where I think, what is more valuable, scrapping Black Adam or maintaining a relationship with Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> mm. And I really feel like they believe in this character and they believe in this story. And with the right script and the right retooling, he could have a really great place in the DCEU. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take 
a little heavy lifting here, which I think Dwayne is up for, right? So I, I think they are going to continue on this. I don't see this making a lot more money, especially this weekend. I mean, this would make for a really fun double feature. I'm totally with you on what a fun day of plexing, of yeah. just being like, yep, I'm going to hit these two. Right. We're going to do it. I don't know if everyone else is going to be on that same page, but I don't think this is really going to have any legs. Yeah. And, and I think one of the other things we've seen since we first started talking about his box office is that we have seen continuously that the audiences who have gone to see it are like, yeah, it's dumb. But it's fun. But it's fun. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, right, we talk about it all the time. At the end of the day, movies are experiential events. We go to experience them. And if you come out of Black Adam, and if, if Warner Brothers can see that people came out of Black Adam going, we had fun, then it can give them a basis for belief that if we do it again, we think we can do better. So, but again, it needs to make a little bit more money than that. I, I don't know. And you know, go ahead. I was going to say, I haven't, I was watching, before I came to work this morning, I watched a clip of Angela Bassett on The View. And they gave away at the end. I mean, I know it's The View and people clap, but they gave away <laughs> IMAX tickets at the end. Oh, wow. Just so everybody could see the movie. Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. And the people were going bananas. And I really think that there is an excitement for this movie. I mean, I, I don't see it in our circles as much, but I think the general public is stoked to see Wakanda Forever. I think people, even my mom asked me about it this weekend. I always mm -hmm. call my mom to check in on it. She's like, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I just think, just I think people here. are stoked. And, and I, I do think that, look, maybe there'll be some spillover. For Black, but, black for, Adam? Maybe, but, but all I know is that I, I just like when to see people excited about going to the theatrical experience again, mm -hmm. and people are stoked, dude. Yeah, listen, the, the, the biggest possible advantage here for Black Adam is that so many people try to go to see Wakanda forever, that they get to the <laughs> theater, see everything is sold out, and go, well, we're here. What else can we I'm watch? I'm here, and I want to watch a superhero. Well, hi, Black Adam. <laughs> yep, and going on to that. I don't yeah. know, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Do you still believe that maybe Black Adam can end up being profitable? Uh, maybe not. But even if it doesn't, does it still have a future, D uh, DC? I think it does. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take another break here and thank another sponsor of today's show, our friends at Amazon Pharmacy. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this episode, Amazon Pharmacy. Now, if you're anything like me, you dread going to the pharmacy. You never know what the hours are. You never know what you're going to pay. You're worried about being stuck in a huge line. And that's why you're going to love Amazon Pharmacy. Amazon Pharmacy delivers a better pharmacy experience that delivers directly to your door and works with most insurance plans. Amazon Pharmacy helps you save time, save money, and stay healthy. There's transparent pricing, so you'll know exactly what you'll pay before you pay it. Prime members can also save up to 80% on their prescriptions. And like I mentioned earlier, Amazon Pharmacy works with most insurance plans. And this is one of the best parts. If you ever have any questions or problems, real pharmacists are always available at Amazon Pharmacy, no matter what time of day or night. Your medication gets delivered to your door, so there's no more rushing out to the store hoping to get there before they close. Amazon Pharmacy is a pharmacy that works for your life with meds delivered to your door. It doesn't get any better than that. Switch to Amazon Pharmacy and save time, save money, and stay healthy. Learn more at amazon.com slash campia. That's amazon.com slash campia. Average savings based on usage and inside RX data as compared to cash prices. Average savings for all generics are 78%, 37% for select brand medications. Restrictions apply. 
And thank you to our friends at the Amazon Pharmacy for sponsoring this episode of the John Cambia Show. And remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So make sure you go down to the description of this video. And right near the top, you'll see link links to all of the show's sponsors and their promo codes. And once again, thank you to Amazon Pharmacy. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. Kaylee. What is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from the Sky Blaze. Deadline reports that Westworld's planned final season has been canceled. However, the entire main cast is still being paid for the canceled season due to play or pay contracts. With that in mind, is minimizing but not eliminating costs from cutting the show worth transit tarnishing the legacy of a show that was once considered a Game of Thrones level flagship for the network? If even their top invested shows can be cut short before getting a proper send-off, should we be concerned for other HBO shows like Succession being cut short before their time under the new leadership? John, what do you think? Does this cancellation, did it surprise you? Um, honestly, no. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you again. I didn't even 100% know that the show was still on. Wow. Um, I mean, and as far as your question, you know, let me jump ahead a bit. As far as your question about, you know, if it, this can happen to this show, can it happen to these other shows? Well, if all the other shows start to shit the bed, then yeah, they should be worried. Because here's the reality. We talked about this on yesterday's show a little bit. Being dead honest, I don't personally know anybody who's still watching Westworld. Like, is anybody in the room still watching it? I nope. Stopped. Ray? Nope. Not Taylor? Nope. Not Jonathan, not Kaylee, not Chris, not I Rob. I never started. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I watched it when it first started too. I don't, now obviously there are still some people watching the show. I'm just saying I don't personally know. I don't have a personal relationship and anybody still watches it. I watched it for the first season and a half and about midway through season two, I, I just tapped out. It just wasn't for me. Mm. But look, the reason why Westworld got canceled, there's not some intricate thing about cost cutting or, no, it's actually a very age old story about shows getting canceled on TV. Nobody watched it. Uh, this comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who write the following. Yet linear ratings for the pricey series fell off sharply for its third season. And then the ratings dropped even further for the fourth season. Westworld's critic average on Rotten Tomatoes likewise declined from the mid-80s for its first two seasons to the mid-70s for the latter two. Fans increasingly griped that the show had become confusing and tangled in its mythology and lacked characters to root for. Looming over all of this is the fact that Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav has pledged aggressive cost-cutting, though network insiders maintain that saving money was not a factor in this show's cancellation. This is just one of those situations where people stopped watching the show, and it's an expensive show, and it was no longer so. Why would we put up a crap ton of money, of our money, to finish out a show that the audience didn't like as much anymore that hardly any of them were still watching what network would keep that show going. And, and listen, I say that with all due respect, because I'm sure there are people out there who have loved season three and four of Westworld. That's awesome. That's great. But it got four seasons, which is more than most shows get. People just stopped watching it. And the decision was made to pull the plug on an expensive show that people weren't watching. It's not rocket science, unfortunately. So, it is it's sad for people who were kind of looking to get that fifth season. I know uh, Jonathan Nolan was talking about the fact that they hoped they were going to get a fifth season. It didn't work out, but there's no real mystery to be solved here. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. Were you, I mean, we found out on Friday about the yeah. Westworld cancel. Were you surprised to hear about it? Do you think there's more behind it or do you think this is straightforward? What do you think? No, I wasn't surprised at all. And I think our, our 
viewer here too, in your own question, you answer this because you say, is it worth tarnishing the legacy of a show that was once considered a Game of Thrones level flagship for the network? It's not considered that anymore. Yeah, nobody considers that. No one considers that. It's really, really petered off, you know, and they've lost the plot. So I think that, you know, we talk about how winning cures everything. Yeah. Losing really messes you up. Yeah. You got to constantly be winning in this industry to keep your show afloat. And I think that is what we learned from this is, hey, your show has to be consistently good. You have to get viewers. You have to have eyes on it. Otherwise, doesn't matter if you were once a good show, right? If if Tom Brady stopped being able to do what he does, no one would be like, oh, well, you know, we like him. Let's keep him in the game. I don't think. I don't assume sports works that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does work so, that way. Oh, really? They're going to be like, Tom Brady, you suck, but let's keep you? Do they do that? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. It, 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 it's done. By the way, just a little side note. At 43 or 44 years of age, he's second in the league in passing yards and number one in the league in touchdown to interception ratio. That's and why just he was... became the first player to pass for over 100,000 yards. That's why he All was in the All the GOAT. Like you were talking about him before the show, and I was like, yeah, he's he's a older player who is consistently proving, like, I can keep up and I can do everything. Yeah. You've got to do that in this industry or any other. One day he's just going to get tackled and his entire body will fail. This no, it's, it's gonna, he's like, going to Thanos turn to dust. Yeah. It's like Whoa. at some point, someone's going to hit him and he's just like, he's just going to explode <laughs> into a puff of smoke. Anyway, Rob, getting back over to you. I know you watched Westworld, like me. I did. Um, but eventually you you apparently fell off the show too. But yeah, I, I mean, know, what, what do you think? Is this that big of a surprise of an announcement? No. It, first of all, it's not a surprise at all. And I think what, what really bothered me about the fate of this show is it had the, the technical uh, aspects of the show were beautiful. The acting was great. The characters were great. But they didn't know what to do with the show. It was clear to me after the first season, I'm like, this this show, they clearly, they're too clever for their own good. Oh, wow. They don't know where the show's going to go, which was proven in, the, in seasons three. Well, I'm only up to, I haven't watched season four. And I, 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 the show had so much potential, but it was a show, it was a show that I, there are few shows that I've watched in my life where I'm like, this show is too clever for, it, it's not as clever as the, the creators think it is. And it's overly convoluted for viewers and i'm like it, it you know what it felt it felt uh, like i was listening to some college professor that was so far up their own ass and they thought their own thesis was so amazing and that we as their students should be bowing down to them that's, that's a lot kind of professors of, that's kind of how it's <laughs> still all college that's, professors <laughs> that's kind of how this show felt and i'm like guys you need to read a little bit more science fiction to make this show as good as you think it is because you haven't and it and it was bared out and it bummed me out because like people like Jeffrey Wright was so good. He's so amazing. You got Anthony Hopkins in. Yeah. yeah. And I could watch Ed Harris read the phone book. Just look at his face. You know, I was watching Top Gun Maverick over the weekend. And oh, he's in the movie for like five minutes. I'm like, I could just watch a movie about that guy sitting in his office yelling at people. And Evan Rachel Wood. That's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's she's fantastic. She fantastic. Anyway, Kaylee, did you ever watch? And- I did, did. You did you watch what, what ultimately I made you kind off, of tail it, off of it? Off of what you said, it just got too convoluted. It got muddy. I didn't know where they were taking muddy me. Muddy is a good word. But it got muddy. And so I, I bounced. I was out. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Question is for you. Were you surprised to hear about the cancellation of Westworld? Maybe you're like some people like you didn't even know it was still going. I don't know. What do you think about this whole situation? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to move into our third main topic today, which is going to become a regular Monday segment that we call 
Rewind. And that, of course, if you guys have watched this for a long period of time, we've talked about Rewind, where we look back on the movies that this week are turning 10 years old and turning 20 years old this week. And we're going to start off here by talking about the movies that turn 20. Are you ready for this? couple of wide-release movies that turned 20 years old this week. First up, 8 Mile. 8 Mile is now 20 years old. I'm a dinosaur. 20 years old. It had a 75% Rotten Tomatoes rating, made $242 million at the box office, which for a movie like that is insane. And a little bit of a side note here, it also won an Academy Award. I didn't forget about that. Uh, it won an Academy Award for Best Original Song uh, for Eminem that he won that, which is huge for them. Also, it was directed, this is interesting, the movie was directed by Curtis Hansen, who directed L.A. Confidential, one of like the all-time great movies. He also directed movies like Hand That Rocks the Cradle, things like that. And it has a little appearance in there by a certain actor known as Captain America these days, Anthony Mackie as the big final boss uh, in it. It's it's a show that revolutionized a lot of stuff. Also turning 20 this week. A not-so-good movie, but also turning 20 this week is the Rebecca Romaine, Antonio Banderas, too sexy, Antonio, too sexy, <laughs> Femme Fatale. This movie got a very generous 49% on Rotten Tomatoes because that is a generous rating. This movie rules. Come on. Oh, come it's on. Brian De Palma rules. I have this on Blu-ray. Would you be surprised? I mean, yeah. No. Directed by Brian De Palma, who directed Scarface, uh, directed Carrie, uh, directed one of my favorite films, The Untouchables. How De Palma directed this, I'm not really sure. Didn't, didn't do great at the box office. Uh, pulled in not much money at the box office. And you know what? I think this is unfortunately the movie that ended any potential um, really huge A-list career for Rebecca Romaine. I think if this movie had been a hit, I think if this movie had won it and cranked it out, I think we would have seen Rebecca Romaine gone on to become a legitimately big star. But for whatever reason, this or that, uh, it didn't really work out. By the way, just going to point out our main monitor here is kind of cut out. guys. It's, just on, so you guys it's know. on you. I'm just loading something. Um, so there's that. So let's go for a second and look at the movies that are turning. This will, I know it's only 10 years old, but this will affect you no less. Turning 10 years old this week, a decade this week. First of all, the Academy Award winning Lincoln. I cannot believe that was 10 years ago. Uh, Lincoln, of course, won Daniel Day-Lewis. He had another Academy Award. It's got uh, 89% Rotten Tomatoes, $275 million at the box office for the historical biopic directed by the greatest filmmaker of all time, Steven Spielberg. This movie is just simply, in every sense of the word, completely outstanding. A completely outstanding film. If you have not seen Lincoln, you absolutely must. If you want to see a clinic by the greatest actor of all time, go and watch Lincoln. But this one is the one that really killed me. I cannot believe this singer's 10 years old. James Bond's Skyfall is 10 years old this week. Uh, considered by a lot of people to maybe be the best James Bond film ever. Uh, I, I'm a Casino Royale guy, but Skyfall is insanely great. Made the first James Bond movie to make over a billion dollars at the box office and made being a James Bond fan cool again. 
uh, with Skyfall, incredible music to it, all kind of stuff. Again, to this day, uh, the movie, a lot of people consider it to be Daniel Craig's best outing as Bond. Some people consider it to be the greatest Bond movie of all time. Uh, but the fact that that movie is now a decade old, oh my God. We're going to start, start calling this segment every week the feeling old segment yeah uh because i cannot believe that movie. i am is the a- crypt keeper like what what is happening why are we doing this this ten, is just the let's feel bad segment 10 years old that movie so we've got four movies in the rewind this week turning 20 i still can't believe eight miles 20 years old yeah but uh eight mile and Cal turning 20 turning 10 we've got uh eight we got uh, skyfall and lincoln Chris, when we look at those four movies, like which ones really stand out to you? Uh, Skyfall doesn't seem 10 years away. No, it does not. It seems like that movie came out just a few years ago. That's wild to me. The, Eight Mile is the one, though, that I'm like, oh, my God, what? I still remember them announcing him winning the Academy Award Yeah, at the Oscars. And I'm like, that, that could, well, the Academy Award was 19 years ago, but still... Mm-hmm. Two decades ago, I can't even wrap my hand. I just, I, I made my dad so annoyed with that soundtrack of just like <laughs> me attempting to rap, which was just embarrassing for everyone. It was bad for <laughs> everyone involved. Himself. In the movement, the moment, you own it. You better let it go. You've only got one shot, Rob. Do not miss your chance. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Rob, which of these ones are standing out to you out of these four? Well, I mean, Skyfalls. Not to flex, but I flew to London to see it. I remember that. You know, yeah. and I went I to London with that. my friend Charlie and I met some friends. My friend Terrier came down literally uh, with his lady at the time, came down from Norway. And we all went and saw it because they it opened two weeks in advance. It was the 50th anniversary Bond film. And I wanted to see it with the real British audience. It was just a fun wow. thing to do. I can't believe it's been 10 years. And, you know, 8 Mile, I still think of Eminem as new to the scene. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm like, I, it's funny when I hear 20 years old, I'm like, my God. Well, as he would say to Machine Gun Kelly, I'd rather be 40 year old me than 20 year old you. Yeah, yes. I mean, hey, and and the thing about Eminem was, and still, he is one of the greatest rappers of all time. And yeah. he has a lot of respect from other rappers. But I can't believe, I mean, that was a thing that really solidified him is that he was huge. I mean, Eminem was huge. Um Femme Fatale, I don't really think about much. I mean, I own it. it I don't because, think anybody does. Yeah, it's 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 lesser to Palma. It's lesser to Palma. But, um, I mean, wow. I, I It's weird, John, because I do think of my life. Uh, movies are how I define how old I am. They're the road markers. Yeah, ab- life ab- absolutely. Yeah. For my life. And, and it's just, it's unbelievable to think. And Curtis Hansen's no longer with us. Yeah. You know, and he was a great filmmaker. And, wow. Um I'm old, dude. I'm close to death. Oh. Kaylee, you were, I no. think, two when uh, Eight Mile came out. No, no, I was like in end of elementary, middle school. I remember going to see it. I had to sneak out to see it, but yeah, I saw it. Oh, I, it was one of those. Like, yeah, mom and dad I was still really young. It. Yeah, and my parents were really protective. I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of music and see certain movies, so I'd have to sneak it. But I remember it. Yeah. Do any of those four movies stand out to you with any potentially I, pleasant memories? Uh, you know, Abraham, I still haven't seen it. And Le- and Spielberg is my favorite director. And it's just that one that I'm like, oh, I keep putting it off. I keep putting it off because I heard it's long. And but I'll, I'll watch it. And a lot of people thought it was a sequel to uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. I, I was so disappointed. Yeah. I, I just have <laughs> this to say. what I thought yeah. it was going to be. To what you just said. Yeah. I, I didn't see the movie in the theater. I'm shamed, shamed about that. I yeah. bought it on Blu-ray. Yeah. And I just had no inclination about watching it and watching it. Yeah. When I watch it, it blew me away. Mm. And I watched it every day for a week. It was that good. Yeah. It's yeah. that good. It's, it's, I it's, believe it. Because yeah. I mean, you have Daniel Day and you have Spielberg. Hello. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that just, good. It is and I had no, for like a year, just I kept moving into the bottom of the pile. 
Why was and, an idiot? Uh, what's her name is in it? Uh, Sally Field. Sally, mm -hmm. yep, yep. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. All right, watching. guys. Question is for you. Woo. Those movies are 10 and 20 years old. Uh, which one of those four stands out to you the most? What was your favorite out of all of them? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, don't forget next week, next Monday, we're going to do Rewind again, talking about the movies turning 10 and 20 years old next week. So keep oh, an eye God. open for that. All right. With that all down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Kaylee. What is our fourth main topic today? Fourth main topic comes to us from Adam M. Hey, John, considering how slow the box office has been in the last few months, with almost no major films releasing except Black Adam, and that didn't do too well, could Black Panther Wakanda Forever be set up for disappointment at the box office? I mean, I know it's going to make big money, but can it have like a, do a top 20 biggest opening or join the billion dollar club? Thanks. Um, John, do you think Wakanda Forever will be a disappointment at the box office? What are your thoughts? Well, listen, they're not wrong. There are a number of elements out there right now that could potentially put any big block, blockbuster film that's going to be opening up in position to disappoint. You're not wrong. The movie going has not been huge since July, and that's going back months because the studios have really just basically put out no high-profile content other than Black Adam, which, like you pointed out, Black Adam didn't do, well, what we would consider great for that genre of filmmaking, right? Obviously, Black Panther is going to be bigger, but could it be set up for disappointment? Well, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I think we're caught talking about Black Panther maybe being a top 10 biggest opening of all time. Now, right now, the early box office projections by Box Office Pro has Black Panther making, get this, between 175 million and 200 million just in its opening weekend release, which would put it, if the movie is good, would put it on pace to potentially become the next MCU, the first MCU movie to cross the billion dollar club since Spider-Man No Way Home did. Now, when we go over and start looking at its potential for becoming a top 10 biggest of all time, remember the bottom end of that projection right now says 175, the top end says 200. I think it could beat that 200 projection. Now, if it did, let's go over and look at this. Let's bring up my screen for a second here, Jonathan. We look at this. So the biggest opening of all time that I think is probably a record that will never be beaten is Avengers Endgame at 375 million. That's the number one. I don't think it's ever going to be beaten. And it's a hundred and about a hundred million dollars ahead of the second place one, which of course was Spider-Man No Way Home at 260, Avengers Infinity War at 257, Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens at 247, Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi at 220, Jurassic World at 208, The Avengers at 207, the first Black Panther at 202. But here's where it comes. If Black Panther Wakanda Forever can get to that upper end of the projection in the $200 million range, then you're talking about it potentially beating out The Lion King, the live-action version of The Lion King. Live-action, it was totally animated. But the more <laughs> recent version of The Lion King at 191. That would make, if it makes $200 million flat, that would make Wakanda Forever the number nine biggest opening in the history of cinema. Which, still in pandemic recovery mode, you know, we may have the pandemic in our rearview meal for most of us, but we're still in recovery mode. For the fact that it's been a softer box office as of late, for the fact that even something like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Lead Black Adam couldn't crush it at the box office, to still come ahead of things like Doctor Strange The Multiverse of Madness, which very quietly 
was the number 11 biggest opening of all time with $187 million ahead of movies like Age of Ultron and The Lion King and maybe even challenging that black that uh, first Black Panther number. That's incredibly impressive. So I would say this. At the end of the day, will Black Panther Wakanda Forever live up to its fullest box office potential? I don't think so. Not with the, not with the environment being what it is right now and, and all that kind of stuff. However... I do not think it's going to disappoint. I do think you're going to see this movie crack the top 10 for the biggest openings of all time. I mean, maybe not. Maybe it'll come in at 150 or 140, which would still be an incredibly impressive feat if it did. I think it will get closer to that $200 million number. I mean, when I've looked at the tickets charts right now, when I go to the various websites and look, see how many tickets do they got available for this? I ain't seeing a lot of empty seats in many screen times anywhere right now. So you put that with, if it has the quality. Now, joining the Billion Dollar Club is a second question because that'll rely heavily on how good is the movie. The opening weekend will have nothing to do with how good the movie is. The opening weekend will be all about how much are people anticipating this movie. But getting that billion, if it is as good as we're hearing it is, and we're hearing it is not necessarily a best picture contender, but quite solid and quite wonderful. If it's that, I don't think Wakanda Forever, even in the current environment, is going to have too much trouble getting to that $1 billion mark. Anyway, Rob... It's a good question, considering how soft things have been at the box office since July. Could Wakanda Forever be positioned for a disappointment? Do you see it cracking the top 10? What do you think? I think it is going to crack the top 10. I think that there's a massive excitement for this movie. I mean, look, we it's very interesting because I've noticed that my own opinions are starting to be shaped by being in the YouTube pundit bubble. Right. And I have to find myself moving outward and really looking at numbers and following stuff outside of what we're doing to get a real sense of what's actually happening. And I think Wakanda Forever is going to be huge. I think it's going to be huge. And I think it's going to be huge because it means a number of things to many different people. And it's not just the fact that it's honoring Chadwick Boseman's life. It's not just the fact that it, the representation is is so exciting to a lot of people, but also as far as the MCU is concerned, I think this is also hopefully a return to form. I mean, for, I know for me, I'm really interested to see how Talacan, a new civilization, is incorporated into the MCU. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see where this is going. And all the clips that I've seen really interest me, more so than any of the clips I saw from Thor Love and Thunder. Um, may, you know, the same way I was really interested in multiverse of madness and that kind of disappointed me, the stuff that I see in this movie makes it look really intriguing. And from what, I mean, I don't know, the embargo hasn't broken yet. I was surprised by that this morning. There weren't the reviews. Yeah. The was, full review. I think the full review embargo drops tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have to say, John, I think that this movie is very highly anticipated. I think it's going to do really well. And I know that I'm really excited for it myself, which if I'm that I was not, I did not feel that way about Thor Love and Thunder. Chris, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of different numbers thrown around mm-hmm. where the, the box office is in a certain environment at the moment. How do you see Black Panther Wakanda forever performing in its opening weekend? I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm in an echo chamber really well. Really, really well. Variety reported a couple weeks ago how pre-sales had already been really, really high for this, which was to be expected, right? I think this is going to do phenomenally well. We are dealing with uh, how a legacy character is being handled. We are seeing a send-off to a tremendous actor. We are seeing how this is going to affect the MCU as a whole, too, right? Forming new Avengers, potentially, having other people come on board. I think this is a movie that your MCU diehard fans are going to be just 
foaming at the mouth to go see. I think your average moviegoer is also really excited about this film, too, for a multitude of reasons. This connects to a whole bunch of different folks, and I think this is going to do really, really well. What about you, Ray? Like, how, how excited have you been for, like, because, you know, you, you represent more like the average film goer and our stuff like that. Have you felt a lot of buzz for, for Wakanda Forever from people? I think this movie for me is going to be like a little bit of a, like a, a, a emotional one. Obviously, I, I was very taken back by Chad, Chadwick's death. I, I mean, a part of me was left on that day. Same as a part of me was left when Kobe died. You, we, we stay there. Part of us stays there. Um, I think this will be uh, one of the movies where we finally move on and like, uh, you know, with the franchise. I want the excitement. I don't know. Just because of the tone of the movie, like I, I don't get pumped for uh, sadness. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't but get excited for sadness. At the I same like time, I'm looking forward to um, seeing where this franchise goes. I, I, I love Ryan Coogler. I mean, um, I'm on board. I just have to watch it at the right time where I'm. Not tired. <laughs> we'll find a way to get through this movie. I mean, it's two hours and what? 2.30? Two, two hours and 30 minutes? 2.30, 2.40, something like that. It's a long one. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. But if I don't make it, you know. It's I'll, two Chipotle burritos. I'll wait for it to come. <laughs> and, you know, we're all going to watch it. We're all going to, you know. So you're out for the 11.20 showing that I was going to get tickets for us? <laughs> Coming in at 75 quibbies um, oh, is a Black Panther. You know, I, I still remember. I, I was at the premiere for the first Black Panther. It's funny. We ended up sitting beside Donald Glover, which is still to this day. If you go to my wife's Twitter to this day, the top pinned tweet on her thing is sat beside Donald Glover at the Black Panther world premiere. I think I can officially call this our first date. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's that for anyway, guys, question is for you. How big do you think this opening for Wakanda forever is going to be? Obviously it's not going to be end game numbers, but do you think it can crack that top 10? Do you think it can get to the upper end of that $200 million opening and be one of the biggest openings in cinematic history? Do you think maybe some people in the recast T'Challa thing calling for a boycott of it, do you think that's going to hurt it to maybe it comes down significantly lower? Do you think the emotional response to the celebration of the life of Chadwick Boseman will just drive more people to go to theaters? However you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number five, shall we? Kaylee, what is our fifth main topic today? Our fifth main topic comes to us from Jarek. Hey, John and crew. So I saw over the weekend that David Saslav had lunch with Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, and Peter Safran, possibly discussing Man of Steel 2. Wow, if this is true, what would a Superman film from Spielberg and Nolan be like? I'm really hoping this is true. Spielberg and Nolan are two of my absolute favorite in the industry. Did you see this story going around? What are your thoughts on this? Thanks. I mean, nine times out of ten, what Spielberg touches turns to platinum. Uh, we saw what Nolan the did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the terminal. We saw what Nolan did with uh, Batman. So, I mean, I think it'd be fabulous. What do you think? Okay. All right. Just... Just hold on a second. <laughs> the concept. Yeah. Wrap your heads around this. Because I have no problem saying, and we talked about this a little bit when we found out Hugh Jackman was going to come back to play Wolverine again for a Deadpool 3. I said, this is one of the biggest, maybe the biggest, second biggest movie news I've ever covered in my career. If they were to announce that the filmmaking GOAT Steven Spielberg, greatest filmmaker of all time, was going to collaborate with Christopher Nolan 
And Peter Safran, the new co-CEO with James Gunn at DC, to make a new Superman movie with, in my opinion, all due respect to Brandon Routh, who I love as Superman, to the all-time great Christopher Reeve, hell, even to Tom Welling. I think the greatest Superman ever in our boy Henry Cavill. That would replace Hugh Jackman coming back for Deadpool 3 as I, what I believe would be the second Dang. biggest piece of movie news that I have ever covered in my career. It would be orgasm-inducing. I, I, I put it at, that's a, that's a high level, folks. Like spontaneous orgasms. Not easy to come by. That would be one of them. <laughs> that's what she said. That, <laughs> that would be one of them. That being said... Is it actually true? Because we're seeing these headlines, right? Now, let, let's pull up the website there, Jonathan. We're seeing these headlines that, that you know, Steven Spielberg meets with, uh, you know, meeting with a WB boss, uh, discussing Superman and all this kind of stuff. But is it true? Well, that's a different story about whether this is true. What is true is that they did sit down and meet. This comes to us from CBR who are quoting from a report coming out of The Hollywood Reporter, writes this. According to The Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision newsletter, Spielberg and David Zaslav, the head honcho over there at Warner Brothers Discovery, recently met over lunch, which eventually grew to include Christopher Nolan and DC Studios co-CEO Peter Safran. Nothing official is known about what transpired at that meeting, but fans have since taken to Twitter to speculate about Spielberg's potential involvement in Man of Steel 2. The consensus amongst fans is that the Oscar-winning filmmaker could be more than a, be more than a welcome addition to Henry Cavill's Superman sequel. All right, what do we know as fact, and what is pure rumor? What we know as fact is that David Zaslav, head of Warner Brothers Discovery, had a lunch at a commissary at the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank with Steven Spielberg, the greatest filmmaker of all time. What was then witnessed was that after that lunch had started, Christopher Nolan joined the lunch and James Gunn's partner and co-CEO of DC Films, Peter Safran, also joined that lunch. Okay, that much is fact. But therein, the facts stop. Everything that's going on and all the headlines that we're seeing right now about they're talking about Superman, blah, blah, blah. None of that is fact. It is speculation. It is wild theorizing by a very hopeful audience, including me, as count me amongst the very hopeful audience. Now, you can make the argument, well, John, I mean, you don't just have lunch with Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan. Uh, granted, absolutely. And Peter Safran, the new CEO of DC Films, is in that meeting. So they're not talking about Lincoln to the return. You know, they're talking about something that very easily could be a DC project. Absolutely. 100% I agree with that. But any speculation about that they were specifically sitting down to talk about Man of Steel 2 is wishful thinking. Doesn't mean it's not possible. It very well could be. And you will see a joygasm the likes of Universal as very rarely seen. Because you know me, the number one film I want to see is a Steven Spielberg directed Star Wars film. That is the, the biggest film wish I have ever had in my life. Second to that right now might be Steven Spielberg directing Henry Cavill in a Superman movie. That could be a pretty close second. So I'd be incredibly happy about it. So is this plausible? I would argue that it is plausible. It is absolutely plausible that they could have been sitting down to meet about Superman. But 
I just think that we as film fans need to pump the realistic brakes here a little bit to understand that they literally could have just been a let's get together and have lunch sort of thing. What else is really interesting here is one of the things that we know about the movie industry is that currently Christopher Nolan hates Warner Brothers. He hates them a lot. Now, under the old regime, the old ownership of Warner Brothers, Christopher Nolan penned op-eds writing about how much he thinks Warner Brothers sucks and how backhanded they were and how he hated everything that they were doing. And eventually, he left the Warner Brothers stable. His next movie, uh, I was going to say, not, it's not Guggenheim. The next movie, uh, what's the name of his next Oppenheimer. movie? Oppenheimer. His next movie, Oppenheimer, is not a Warner Brothers film, which is the first Christopher Nolan film in ages. The very fact that he was there at the Warner Brothers lot sitting down with David Zaslav, who hopefully this is symbolic of David Zaslav repairing those broken relationships with these world-class filmmakers that the previous ownership at Warner Brothers destroyed. So that's a good thing in and of itself. But can you imagine, Rob, a Superman movie with Henry Cavill back, either directed or produced by Steven Spielberg, with also directing or producing Christopher Nolan, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll call it right now. Such a film, let's say Christopher Nolan produced a Steven Spielberg directed Superman movie with Henry Cavill. I will call it right now. It will be the greatest superhero film of all time. I'll, I'll just call it right now. Of course, anything could go wrong, but Nolan legitimately producing Steven Spielberg directing or flip it around. Steven Spielberg legitimately hands-on producing and Christopher Nolan directing, whatever. That film would be the greatest superhero film ever made. I mean, you never know what happens until you see it, but that would be my guess. Anyway, Rob, we see a lot of headlines, a lot of hopeful thinking. Just the fact that Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, Peter Safran, and David Zaslav were sitting down at the table breaking bread together, that's that's incredible in and of itself. But what's your takeaway from this? Well, I, you know, I, it, it's... Them having lunch on the on the lot in the in the executive commissary is not as wild as you might think. Spielberg's got a movie coming out with Warner Brothers, yep. the, the the Color Purple. Um, you've got uh, Oppenheimer. They could be mixing on the stages on the Warner lot. They just all happen to be there, and they they had a lunch together just to shoot the shit or whatever. Because remember, Spielberg was going to direct Interstellar, so that's how. And then John, when Jonathan Nolan wrote had written Interstellar. It was going to be a Steven Spielberg movie, and then he didn't direct it. So they're friends. They all know each other. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, I, like you, you know, we got excited when Steven, we were th speculating that Steven Spielberg, Spielberg would direct Fantastic Four on this show. Which we always knew was an outside yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. However, if I was Steven Spielberg, and I just finished making The Fablemans, and I've made West Side Story, I've made some passion projects, if I wanted to return to populist big budget, big box office filmmaking. I can't imagine a better film for Steven Spielberg if he wanted to put a little bow on his career to direct than a Superman movie. Mm. I, 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 like you, I, I can't think of a better director for a Superman movie than Steven Spielberg because the combination of Americana, like that classical mm. Superman, Richard Donner, that's that whole opening in Smallville and all that. And and I don't think anyone is a better director, better equipped to make a Superman movie, especially now in his life, than Steven Spielberg. Um, I don't know if Christopher Nolan necessarily would be involved with that because he's kind of done that before. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But 
I, I can't imagine a better person than Steven Spielberg. And, and it wouldn't surprise me anymore. After what we've been seeing, Henry Cavill coming back. Uh, but I don't know if that would happen. But it would be, like you said, it would be one of the most exciting things that I could possibly imagine happening to any superhero movie now. And I certainly would love to see it. Yeah. Chris, mm -hmm. uh, listen, as with most wild rumors and everything, there's a mm -hmm. kernel of truth here. This yeah. lunch happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do think it's very notable that, you know, Nolan, who has been so vocally anti Warner Brothers under the old AT&T ownership is sitting there now with the head of the new Warner Brothers having lunch with somebody. I know a lot of angles here, but mm -hmm. what's fact, what's fiction here? I, I don't know. What do you think the possibilities are? I mean, sometimes it's just a bunch of homies having lunch. That's fine. That's it. But I do think it's interesting to have Nolan in the mix here because Zaslav, you know, famously did his listening tour, right? Yes. And I'm wondering if this is even just a, hey, you had a successful franchise in the DC universe. Let's talk about that. How did yeah. you break that down? How did that work for you? Because we seem to be really struggling with having this big through line with our films. So what do we need to do to make this work? We've got a great Batman film. We want to make more of those. What would you do there? And maybe having him be some kind of consultant. The one I'm more interested in, like you guys, is Steven Spielberg directing Superman, potentially, right? Because if you're talking about someone who can bring wonder and scale and just an epic joy to something, too, oh God, it's Spielberg, yeah. right? There's going to be so many primary colors. It's going to be beautiful. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I think that would be a really, really cool thing. I think it's way too early to go, yep, we all should absolutely say we're getting that Superman movie with Stevie behind the helm. No, no, no. We're going to pump those brakes a little bit. But I do think there's, there's fire to the smoke. I mean, it's it's really interesting, too, because like for, for a lot of people who would say, well, you know, it was just a lunch. Mm -mm. I, I would say this. When you know the lives of the head of Warner Brothers Discovery, getting on his calendar is not an easy thing to do. Steven Spielberg's calendar, not an easy thing to do. Christopher Nolan's calendar, not an easy thing to do. The new co-CEO of DC Studios, Peter Safran, not all four of these guys. I, I mean, this wasn't, I don't believe for a second, this was a happenstance. Oh, hey, are you uh, uh, Burbank right now? Why don't you come over and have lunch with them? Their, their calendars don't work. Each one of these people has seven personal assistants that are constantly working their schedules. This was a, this was a purposeful, deliberate sit down. Now, what was it about? Who knows? I mean, maybe it is once again, a part of David Zaslav's listening tour. Maybe it's a part of him saying, you know what, Mr. Nolan, you had beef with the previous ownership here. Steven, you're the most iconic figure in the industry. Would you guys mind sitting down with me and educate me a little bit about, I mean, it could have just been that. Why was Saffron there? I, I mean, I, so I'm going to say this, I'm going to set the over under that this meeting had anything to do with Superman at 20%. I'm going to say it at 20%. I'll take it. I'll take that 20%. But I'll set it the over-under is 20%. Rob, you go over-under 20% that they were specifically discussing a Superman project. I don't know if they went into it specifically discussing a Superman project, but I can guarantee they did discuss a Superman project when they were at that lunch. Chris, so I'll go over. Chris, over-under 20%. I go over. You'll go over on that. I go over. Kaylee? Over. You're going to take the over on that too. 100%. Um, like those people don't just run into each other. They're right. having their assistants send up Craig's takeout. Like that was, <laughs> that was intentional. You know, John, there's something else. I, I watched Steven Spielberg was uh, interviewed by Leslie Stahl. I watched that uh, on CBS this morning. Right. 
Spielberg's 75 years old. Yep. You know, and he spent a lot of time. He's done everything from Catch Me If You Can to Bridge of Spies to The Fablemans to Tintin. He's made all of these, these movies that are great. He's flexed his muscles. I'll bet you, you don't see Steven Spielberg talking about comic book movies. It's not real cinema. No, you don't. I, I, I think Steven Spielberg wants to make, I mean, he did Ready Player One, you know, but that was part of it. He's done a whole wide variety of things. I am willing to bet at 75 years old after meet, doing Meet the Fablemans, he wants to come back and do a populist, big budget, grand entertainment. That's what he wants to do. By the way, at 75, Spielberg is not like a frail 75. Oh, no. He's like a Pete Carroll. For those, for those of you non-sports initiated, he's the head coach who you would think he's the youngest coach in the NFL. I mean, when you look at Spielberg and the way he works, he still he comes across like a dude in his late 50s, early 60s. I mean, that guy has all the energy in the world. He's got the best team of people in Hollywood behind him, too. He's got collaborators he's worked with since the 70s. I think he, wa- I think he wants, I think he wants to make a gigantic big budget, thrilling Hollywood movie that puts him back on the top of the box office charts and puts his name back on everyone's lips. Not that he's making, I mean, not that Meet the, Meet the Fablemans isn't going to be lovely and talking about his youth and he's talking about his mom and his dad. And it was oh, really keep forgetting, They changed the name of it to The Fablemans. Yeah, it's The yeah. Fablemans. Um, I think he wants to come back and, and be like, hey, you guys are nice. Oh, this is nice. Well, let me show you how it's done. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong because, you know, it was Clooney talked about how, you know, one for them, one for me, you know, yeah. making moves. He's done a couple that's for him. Fablemans is clearly a passion project for his. West Side Story, clearly a passion project for his. Tintin. It, Tintin was clearly a passion project Love for it. him. But for him to go, you know, it's been a while since I did an E.T. kind of thing where I just come out and I just make the biggest movie in the world. And this just would celebrate its 40th anniversary. This would be that movie. It would be that movie. Yeah. And you know what? Henry Cavill. It's not like he's been saying how happy he is. There's a big smile on that guy's face when he talks about Superman. And I'll tell you something else. If this is going to happen, it's already a done deal. Like we've already talked about. It's already. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like I was thinking it's James Gunn. But now after reading this, I'm like, oh, because here's the other thing, too. As great as I think Henry Cavill is a Superman. Any talk about Henry Cavill winning an Academy Award for playing Superman is nonsense. But you get a Steven Spielberg-directed Superman. Henry Cavill is now, he's standing in front of the mirror every morning practicing his Oscar speech. Not that he would necessarily win, but he's hes now thinking he's legitimately got a shot at Oscar contention if Steven Spielberg's directing. But John, I would go even further. Uh-oh, further? I would go further than further. Oscars. You oh, wait, name... You say that Steven Spielberg is directing a Superman movie. How does Wall Street answer that? Yeah. How does the what does the Warner Brothers stock price do? Yeah. When they your character, your most marquee superhero in the everyone's talking, but we have Batman and Superman. It's Bat- no, no, no. You have the one guy whose entire oeuvre shows that there is nobody more perfect who's working today, who exists on the planet Earth to make a Superman movie than Steven Spielberg at the height of his powers, at the height of his, I buy Warner Brothers stock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, I still think the stock's going to drop a bit for a little while. It's going to even, but yeah, you come out and you announce Steven Spielberg has signed up to do like a two film deal with Superman. I mean, it's just crazy. Anyway, we could talk about this all day. I would be very happy to talk about this all day. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. The reality is, there is nothing official or or legitimate that remotely suggests that what they were meeting about specifically was Superman. There's simply not. 
Is there some anecdotal evidence that suggests they could have been? Absolutely. Would it be wildly fun if it is? Yeah. What do you guys think is going on there? Maybe you think they were meeting about something else. Maybe you think it was about a Superman film. How would you feel if a Steven Spielberg and a Christopher Nolan were to work together on a Henry Cavill Superman film? I've already made it pretty clear how I would feel about it. How would you feel about it? Jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a second here before we move into the Super Chats. We are now going to open up our Super Chats. We're only going to leave it open for a couple of minutes. So if you have a thought, theory, opinion, or question that you'd like us to read and address on the show, go ahead and fire that in now. Just going to let you know we're only going to leave it open for a couple of quick minutes, though. So send those in now. But before we get to those, we want to thank the main sponsor of our show, my cell phone service provider, Ryan Reynolds, and his company, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding. There isn't one. Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. With my old wireless provider, every month when I opened the bill, it was like playing roulette. I never knew how big the bill was going to be and it always seemed to get bigger. With Mint Mobile, it's totally different. I know exactly how little I'm paying every month and there's never any surprises. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint Mobile, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And guys, you get to use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So transferring over couldn't be easier. So to get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. You'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being a big sponsor of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to move into your super chats. But before we get to those, I just want to ask you guys, if you guys want to help our channel in a practical way and help push our videos out to an even wider audience, a couple of things you can do. Number one, you can go ahead and click the subscribe to our channel button. That'd be great if you guys did. Also, just give a quick thumbs up. Click that thumbs up video on, uh, click up the thumbs up button on our video. And of course, jump on down and leave a comment down in the description below. All that stuff helps our videos out with YouTube. So thank you so much to all you guys who already do that. Okay, let's get on over to the Super Chats, Kaylee. Kaylee, what do we got? All right, let's see. Stubble McShave. All right, it says 25 years. It's been 20. It's 25 years since Starship Troopers was released. Wow, oh, that's wow. crazy. Mm. An interesting ad adaptation. A great movie that satirized the values that the author really believed in. I still wow. remember the first time I saw Starship Troopers. I actually went with... Um, me and my buddy went with the head bishop of the country of a denomination in the Christian church. We thought, oh, Starship Troopers, this is a fun little sci-fi romp. And we took oh, this no. bishop and all this stuff that was in it. And we just came out. The bishop was pretty cool about it. He's just like, well, that was imaginative. And we're like, all right, that's one way of looking at it. He was, he was pretty cool about it. Um, it's a fun movie. Of course, it is also an infinitely dumb movie. And it is, it's, it's satirical in many, many, many ways. But- 
I mean, it was also ridiculously fun, highly, highly violent mm-hmm. uh, kind of film. But I got a, I never liked Denise Richards more. Uh, I just, I really like the film. What did you guys think about Starship Troopers? It's super fun. The anime version from like 2012 is the very first voiceover job I ever did. So I have very, a very big place in my heart for the Starship Troopers franchise. I loved it. I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven fan. I thought it was, it was terrific. And um, John, you know what, you know what came out on uh, 4K Blu-ray last week in a beautiful steelbook? (laughs) Did you buy it? That movie. Yeah, of course. Of course he did. All right. What's next? Next, John Campia's favorite actor. Uh, you know what? Just for putting that as his name, we're going to skip it. Let's go to the next one. Okay. All right, what's next? Seconds from Disaster says, I bought three tickets for Black Panther 2 for the 13th, taking my girl and her brother for their birthdays. I also snagged an Iron Heart Funko Pop at 7-Eleven. Oh, wow. All Ooh. places. Well, you wow. know, Ray actually just went on a big shopping spree yeah. and bought a whole bunch of Black Panther Wakanda Forever Pops that just came out mm. that we are going to use. I forgot to do it today. My apologies. But that we are going to use for giving out uh, during our games. And I think Ironheart was one of them, was it not, Ray? Yep. You got an Ironheart one? Yeah. They're beautiful. They're, like, they're really, really nice. I like them a lot. So, uh, yeah, the good, good on you. Good, congrats on getting the tickets because it's not an easy ticket to get. And I'm glad you did. All right, what's next? Next, uh, CJ. Big Hero 6 turns eight today. Wow. Uh, Bah la la la. Also, rest in peace, Britt Murphy, who I first saw in 8 Mile. Yeah, I yeah. thought of that, that too. She's... Brittany Murphy was truly one of the more tragic Hollywood stories. Yeah. I mean, it, like she was going, she was big and she was going to be continuously big mm-hmm. in the industry. She was ridiculously talented. She had the great Hollywood look and everything about her too. I, I mean, it's just so tragic when I look back at the different films that she was in. And yeah, Eight Mile was was one of those, yeah. but you're absolutely right. One of the bigger tragedies in Hollywood history. I think someday they'll make a movie about it. If they haven't already, yeah. um, th- they absolutely should. All right, what's next? Next, Jim, I think Wakanda Forever could fall short of a billion. Disney Plus now means less repeat business. The first movie didn't have Avatar to compete with either. Yes, but it's like a good month separated from Avatar, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a holiday week in there, too. And there's a holiday week in there as well. So I think you're going to find a lot of people are going to be rushing out to the theaters to see this thing. I think you're going to find a lot of people are going to want to go and do repeat business and and watch this. So, uh, yeah, that's... I, I, I mean, look, it very well could fall short of a billion, which is fine because that it's going to make a ridiculously huge amount of, mo- uh, of money. That billion-dollar mark is a made-up imaginary line, right, that we, that we ascribe certain significance to. I still think it'll get over that. And I, I think it's got plenty of weeks in the box office to itself to achieve that fact. But if it does fall a little bit short, it's still going to be ridiculously successful. All right. Good thought, man. What's next? Alex Mata. THR cons- confirms that Daniel Kulea will voice Spider-Punk in Spider-Verse 2. Yeah, we were just, t- uh, Taylor just brought that up. We'll mm-hmm. definitely talk about that tomorrow. Again, I, it's not as exciting to me as if he was going to appear physically in a new Spider-Man movie. I don't get super excited about a voice actor doing somebody who's not even truly a voice actor uh, who's going to be popping up in a movie. But still, Daniel's a terrific talent. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in tomorrow's show. All right. What's next? Next, Andy saw the Winchesters. I want to leave the CW, but they keep pulling me back in. It was okay. Definitely brought back some SPN feels. Awesome to see Dean again. I can't. I just can't do it. I'm not willing to. No. I've been burned before. <laughs> now, now again, like Harley Quinn, 
mm-hmm. which I looked totally awful to me. And I only started watching it. Thank God I did. But I only started watching because I had a flood of our viewers tell us, John, you're going to love Harley Quinn. And yeah. so, and they were right. I did. But with Supernatural is just too special to me. I just like it way too much. And that trailer was awful. And I just don't see any practical reason I would watch it. Now, again, if I start hearing from a ton of people that, John, we watched the Supernatural spinoff, The Winchesters, it's fantastic. I'll give it a shot. But I haven't heard a single person tell me that yet. So just because I love the original so much, I'm just going to avoid it. Have either of you guys checked out Supernatural or The Winchesters yet? No. No. I loved the original Supernatural. I loved it so much. And that trailer looked like garbage. <laughs> and I, something being okay is not a good enough review for me. We have to consume so much media for the show. I yeah. don't want to watch mediocrity. I really just don't. I want to go touch grass. <laughs> I want to go touch grass. <laughs> All right. What's next? Next, A. Marcellus, Steven Spielberg makes a new Star Wars movie starring Henry Cavill as Jedi Master. <laughs> John Campia dies from too much excitement. <laughs> I mean, listen, just the movie that has been the top of my wish list since I was a teenager was a Steven Spielberg directed Star Wars movie. And, and you know what? Henry, I love Henry Cavill. And yeah, it'd be great to hear if he's in it. I, I just love Henry Cavill as Superman. So I I mean, if he was in it, that's fine. That's great. But that is already the number one movie on my list. Steven Spielberg directing a, a Star Wars film. I mean, I was at the premiere of The Force Awakens and Steven Spielberg was there. He was George Lucas's date. He was there with Lucas, sat like five rows in front of us. And just the two of them there together, just knowing their relationship, the close relationship that Steven Spielberg has with the franchise, all that kind of stuff. I would just love it uh, all on its own with or without Henry. All right. What's next? Fry Menace. I want Kate Blanchett to host Oscars or Ray. Ray would be <laughs> the choice to host the Oscars. I or both how long the Oscars are? That's nope. what I mean. Ray would be like, you would walk out on stage. Somebody would be literally 10 seconds into their acceptance speech. And Ray would be like, all right, that's great. That's great. That's great. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. People want to go to bed. He would, just list, he would just list the winners right off the top. Yeah. So the winners are, and just go through <laughs> yeah. all the winners. All right, and good then, night, everybody. And a special presentation for the Terminal. Lifetime Achievement Award <laughs> to yeah. the Terminal. The Terminal Award. Oh, that's a bad Ooh. name for The Terminal that's Award. Bad name for yeah, award. No. Well, I take it back. Award. Oh, no. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> no, that, that, doesn't work, that doesn't work out so well. All right, the what's termies. next? Okay. The Termies. Ben Rayner. <laughs> I think I just flexed the wrong muscle thinking about Spielberg directing Cavill and Superman. (laughs) Okay, for those who don't know what Ben is referring to, one of the single funniest moments in television history happened in a show called Doom Patrol, where there is a character, a side character named, I think think his name is Flex Metallo. I I think that's his name, Flex Metallo. And it's a little ambiguous what his powers are, but they're vast, his vast powers, where he can do different things that trigger as a result of him, because he's this big, butchy guy, flexing certain muscles. So like if he flexes his left thigh muscle, he can make it rain. If he flexes his left thigh muscle, he can make a car levitate or something, right? So he's trying to open some kind of interdimensional portal. They're, they're in the middle of this. They're in a little park in the middle of some city streets and whatever, right? And he goes, all right, I, c- I can open this dimensional portal. So let me think about any gets in this pose and he starts to flex. And as he does, everybody within a mile radius, all the main characters, all the people walking down the street, they start acting a little bit funny. And then it increases, increases. And you realize everybody's having an orgasm. Oh my God. 
And like, so for a good solid 90 seconds, all you see are all these people like, like collapsing on sidewalks because they're having some, like the massivest, the biggest orgasm of their life and all this kind of stuff. And the big line at the end is, I think I flexed the wrong muscle. And that will forever go down as one of the funniest moments ever on TV history. Uh, and guys, if you don't watch Doom Patrol, you absolutely got to watch Doom Patrol. It is freaking hilarious. All right, what's next? Next, Tevin says, when the heart-shaped herb is taken, a Black Panther goes to the ancestral plane. Do you think someone will see Killamonger in the plane? I don't know. Maybe. Because look, this Killamonger is actually the greatest thing because I talked about, this always happens. When I say one of the top picks to be the next Black Panther really should be M'Baku. And, and then people say to me, but John M'Baku, a part of the Jambari tribe, they worship the, the gorilla, the, the ape god, not Bost. And therefore, he can't be Black Panther. And I'm like, well, whoa, nowhere does it say that because Killmonger was not a worshiper of Bost either. Killmonger was just an insane homicidal maniac who wanted to commit genocide. But just by taking the heart-shaped herb, but he did get to go to an ancestral plane and see his own dad. So can somebody go into the ancestral plane and see him? Well, he doesn't have anybody to see him in the ancestral plane, right? Like when he went to the ancestral plane, his father was there. Mm. He goes, see, sorry. When M'Baku, he could go back and see his line. He can go back and see his lineage, including his father. There's nobody to see Killmonger. And listen, for right or for wrong, he was technically the king of Wakanda, even though T'Challa wasn't dead. So I guess legitimately, legitimately, Killmonger never was the king of Wakanda. It depends on semantics. I'm going to guess no, but they could write. I mean, if if Ryan Coogler had a certain idea for it, they could absolutely do it. But my guess will be no. I don't know. What do you think? Do we see Killmonger in the ancestral plane? Well, I mean, I don't know because it's Ryan Coogler. You know, you bring your friend back to do a cameo. Why yeah. not? But probably. I can't imagine that they would. But I will say this, John. I do think we're going to see him somewhere in the movie. Yeah, I, I haven't heard I don't know anything what, I don't official. know if it's an ancestral play, but I think we will. All right, what's next? Next, Jai CSC. Which would you rather be stuck on your head for a month? You can still eat and drink. Vader's helmet, Peacemaker's beacon, or Hannibal Lecter's muzzle? Wow. Well, Peacemaker's would be the easiest. Yeah. Yeah. Because it only covers like the eyes and everything. Everything else leaves the mouth open. So Plus, I'm everybody would ask you to dance. <laughs> If you really want it, if you really want to taste it, it's still the greatest. You'd be a happy, happiest month of your life, man. Here's a question. Do they create a new dance number for the opening of Peacemaker season two, they or do they go back better. to the original one? They better give me more dancing. It's, also, I feel like you pick Vader or the muzzle. If I'm going to have to wear some stupid thing for a month, I want to look intimidating as hell. No one's going to tell me to smile if I'm muzzled. <laughs> smile. All right. It's be great. What's next? Bond presence. John, what did you think of the Banshees of in the... Um, in a Sheeran, thank you. You mentioned you had tickets on Friday, and I've been so excited to hear your thoughts. Yep, had tickets and couldn't go. Oh, oh no. Yep, something significant came up. Uh, nothing bad, nothing bad. Something, signif something significant came up that maybe in the next couple of weeks I'll be able to talk about, but something significant came, out, came up, and we were not able to go. So... Right now, the biggest exposure to the Banshees of Inishirin is seeing Colin Farrell and Brennan Gleeson on SNL uh, <laughs> doing the little musical number, which was delightful in all ways. It's like Colin Farrell comes out to Brennan Gleeson. Hey, Brennan, Brennan. Yes, Colin. Who's your favorite co-star of all time? 
Paddington Bear. Yeah. <laughs> which it was a delightful thing. So had our tickets all set to go. Couldn't go for good reason, but I'm hoping this week we'll be able to get around to finally watching it because I've been dying to see this film. All right, what's next? Al Renshaw. John has said he would love to see OG TMNT on screen. Have any of you ever read the last Ronin storyline and what are your thoughts on it? I Listen, I could not tell you the name of any of the storylines uh, of any of them. I just remember when I was a teenager and the teenage, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics came out. And those things were wildly fun. I remember my buddy, Darren Connolly. For, for those of you who've been following me for a real long time, all the way back to the movie blog days, Darren Connolly used to do the audio edition with me. But I remember he's the one who got me turned on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And like, if they were ever to do one of those legitimately, like not what they evolved into, these preteen yeah, pizza eating, skateboard riding, cowabunga dude, whatevers. I mean... Normal, healthy adult turtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the, ooh, <laughs> the real turtles. I mean, if they went back to those those gritty black and white, I would love seeing that. They're hardcore. They'll never do it because the property is just too valuable. Yeah, they'll never do it. But if they did, my God, I'd be excited. It'd about be that. super fun. All right, what's next? AMC Underground, Ook Palace. Chris, if your boss is named Giovanni, does that make you a member of Team Rocket? <laughs> Oh, and then Rob and I would be the team because you'd prepare for trouble and make it double. We protect the world from devastation. That's We'd unite all people true. within our nation. Is is that the? This is a Pokemon reference. Yes, okay. and is that their boss, Giovanni? Giovanni, yeah. Oh, really? He's the he's the head leader of Team Rocket. Can I, I be a Snorlax? <laughs> oh, I thought that was right. Yeah, well, Razor Snorlax. Snorlax. I'm the true Snorlax. <laughs> I'm the true Snorlax. Um, yeah, and just the reason he asked that, just for those of you who don't know, my actual name is Giovanni. So. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right. What's next? Stubble McShabe. Could the Muppets host the Oscars one year? Yes. Like do it. You cowards. had that in the 70s. Maybe like a, they've had like a little moment before. Yeah. They have done segments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, South Park did too. But host the show? Probably not. I Wolverine think that's Stadler. Yeah. I don't know about host. They could. I but would it's, love it's it. too long. It, yeah. like, it, it's you could too do long. a segment of it. But I don't think they could host the whole and show. And people in LA don't do enough professional cocaine for this to happen. <laughs> Oh, really? Yes, I, I would. I don't know if I would agree with you on that. All right. What's next? Raymond, I may be late to the spy family anime, but there is an upcoming musical in Japan next year. I enjoy seeing cosplayers dress up as the young psychic Anya at conventions and can play cosplay Anya. You or Anya? Goob, gob, gibi, gobby, go I didn't know any of what he, Raymond just said. I don't know, I, I don't <laughs> I know, know that anime. Play in Japan. Yeah, he's talking about a, what did he say? An anime? An spy anime? Spy X, X, X family? Yeah. yeah. I haven't like watched that? it. Yeah, I have no, I, I've never heard of it. I have no knowledge of it, so. But Anne could play Anya. Anya. <laughs> Anne, Anne can cosplay anything. Anne That's is fair. one of the great cosplayers. Uh, she ser seriously is. My, I'm, obviously, I'm biased, but my wife is one of the great cosplayers. You should go check out her Instagram called Anne Cosplays, where she has a lot of her best costumes on there. She's great at cosplay. I never check out her that Instagram. <laughs> Ray never looks at Anne's Instagram. Yeah. All right, because Ray is her sister. Yeah, his, his sister, of course. Yep. All right, what's next? <laughs> next, the Batman. Thanks oh, for the like 50. $50. Thank you, wow. Batman. All right, Kaylee, now that we are established, I'm your number one hero. Now, I got to ask, out of all my solo films, which one do you like the most? What's your favorite Batman film? God. Honestly, I love the old school Michael uh, Keaton. Hell yeah. Days. Yeah, you're not alone. I mean, he's my favorite Batman, and people are always surprised at that. But I, I love the way he totally like humanized him. I, I loved his portrayal. That's my favorite. 
which it'll be really interesting to see him back as Batman in the new Flash movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, and Batman Flashpoint. Of course, which will be called Batman. You mean in the new Batman Flashpoint Flash yeah. movie. <laughs> All right, what's next? Next, Andy, would James Gunn do a soft reboot on the DCEU the same way that he did the Suicide Squad? I mean, it's all, it depends on what do you mean by soft reboot, because you can look at what he did with Suicide Squad and we can define it as a soft reboot, but what is a soft reboot? I mean, because it was completely still in lineage with the other, uh, they never contradicted or ret ret retconned any of the stuff from the first Suicide Squad. They just got to change directions with it. And if that's what we're defining as soft reboot, yeah, he could totally do that. I don't see James Gunn removing from quote unquote canon any of the stuff that's already come. But I can also see him taking what's there, using it, only taking it in a bit of a different direction. Like, they'll keep making Wonder Woman movies and Aquaman movies and Superman movies, but they'll be noticeably different than they were before. Rob, what do you think, Guns, as far as, like, soft rebooting, continuations? I, I don't know. What do you think his approach is going to be? Well, soft reboot can mean many things. But um, I think that, I, you know, I see in, in, in the context of this, are they going to go back and then redefine Superman, Batman, I don't think that they will because you've got Matt Reeves as the Batman going. You've got Michael Keaton's Batman. You've got Ben Affleck's Batman. I don't think they're going to do a soft reboot to the universe. I think they're just going to keep making movies. Mm -hmm. And I think, look, if Steven Spielberg makes a Superman movie with a Henry Cavill, that would, I think, count as a soft reboot because we're going to get a Superman movie that feels vastly different from mm. the movies that Zack Snyder made. Would you call that a soft reboot? Well, I don't think so, because I think you're just, in the case of Warner Brothers, you're just making another Superman movie. I don't think it's, because Warner Brothers has redefined their characters a lot. Mm. Even within the, call it the, the, the Tim Burton era of Batman, you had four Batman movies that all each kind of redefined Batman in its own way. And I think, and then Christopher Nolan comes along and redefines Batman again. Then Zack Snyder redefined Batman again, and Matt Reeves redefined Batman again. They're all you could call them, but but rebooting a universe, I don't think so. All right, what's next? Yeah, Rob says superhero movies tend to show an actor's face instead of their mask. Do you think WB does the reverse to Flash? More Flash and less Ezra face in post. The reality is the the flash mask doesn't really hide much of the face at all. Right. Um, so I don't really, it's like Peacemaker. I mean, the, the mask can be on. We all clearly see it's John Cena. So I don't really think that's going to be an issue for them at all or something they'll they'll look at even. Uh, a lot of people thought it was just, you know, deep fake out Ezra Miller. That's, the movie would look ridiculous. Um, so no, I don't think they're going to do that. Listen, they're going to put out the movie that Andy Muschietti made. That's what they're going to do. Uh, and uh, from all reports that we've heard and the people that we know personally that we've spoken to, apparently this movie turned out awesome. Now, now, nine times out of 10, when we get told in advance that a movie's really looking really good or really not good, nine times that turns out to be true and real. But I want to remind everybody that there is that one out of 10 times that it doesn't. Because, you know, both Rob and I and a lot of other people heard the, the, the talk going around that The Eternals was the best movie that MCU's ever made. And while I like Eternals, and Rob, I know you really like Eternals, it ain't the best movie the MCU's no. ever made. Like, not, not by a long shot. So, but we are hearing incredibly good things about the movie Andy Muschietti made with his Flashpoint movie. So, 
I, I think they're just going to release that as it is, and then they'll move on from there. And, you know, I, like I said, I think three or four months after Flashpoint comes out, an announcement's going to come out that due to scheduling conflicts, Ezra Miller can't be Flash anymore, and, and then they're just going to move on. But for this movie, I think they're going to leave it alone. All right, what's next? Next, Joseph, should we be more concerned by streaming services that host hurtful propaganda films on their platform than the fools that tweet about them? I, Joseph, it sounds like you have a specific agenda about something that I don't know about. So you'd have to give me far more context than that to give a comment. For all I know to you, Paddington Bear is whatever. So I, again, I, I just say that saying I have no point of reference or context that you're giving me. So I, I just don't know what the answer to that is since I don't know what the specific question is you're asking. Uh, clearly, it's about something specific. Clearly, there's a specific circumstance or a specific movie that you feel is certain kind of content. But unless I know what that is, I can't give my own commentary on it, unfortunately. All right, what's next? Next, Ninth Shingami says, I thought One Piece film Red would make my top five favorite movies of 2022. It's in my top two. Like Maverick, it's now in my top 20 favorite movies ever. Wow. Dang. Yeah, again, not a movie that's on my radar or mm -hmm. that, that I care to see, but it didn't hit that 15, 16 million dollar mark that a lot of people were saying, which would have been just ridiculous. But listen, Coming just shy at $10 million for a property like this, you got to take that as a huge win. I think yeah. that's a big win for them. Again, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to watch it myself. But I think if you are, that's a huge win. As far as how good or bad the movie is, well, that's up to the individual viewer. But I love that you enjoyed it that much, and I'm glad you had a good time at it, man. All right, what's next? Spencer says, in August, I watched through the entire Igmar Bergman's cinema box set by Criterion. Criterion. Yep. 41 movies in 28 days. Have you seen any Bergman? If so, do you have a favorite? Well, I've seen tons of Bergman, but you probably own this collection. I yeah. do own this of collection. Of course you own the collection. <laughs> and I, by the way, I did get it at the Barnes & Noble 50% off Criterion, which is on now. Wow. Really? Which is great. Yes, they do it twice a year. You know, as far as Bergman films go, I probably like Persona. You know, in terms of some of my favorites. But, you know, the, the first Bergman movie I ever saw was The Seventh Seal, where Max von Sydow, uh, you know, he plays. That's where that's where death yep. came from in Bill and Ted. Um, I still love that movie. I like uh, The Virgin Spring. I mean, there's so much Bergman that I like. But Persona is probably my favorite. But there's a lot to love there. By the way, dude, that is an ambitious viewing undertaking. Hour of the Wolf, did. That dude. is awesome. That is awesome. All right. What's next? Okay, I need to Spencer. Nathan, Westworld season one was awesome. Two and three sucked. Didn't bother with four. And see, that's the thing, Nathan. I, a lot of, that seems to be the refrain from a lot of people here. Now, I didn't love season one of Westworld. I, I thought it was intriguing. It had some hit and miss episodes. It certainly ended on a very interesting note that made me go, okay, you know what? I'll watch season two. For me, season two started very strong with Samurai World and all that kind of stuff. But after we got past the first three or so episodes of season one, I just started feeling it that or lo losing my feeling for yeah. it. And I kind of tapped out. That didn't mean it couldn't be for everybody else. But specifically what you just said, that's what I've heard from a lot of people who used to watch the show and no longer do. And uh, that ultimately is why the show got canceled, unfortunately. All right. What's next? Next. All right. Looks like that's everything. All right, well, Rocket here. Size sent in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Rocket Size. Appreciate that. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel while you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much. 
for your support. Again, guys, want to remind you that at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, that's about two and a half hours from now, the first live Weekly Hero with Robert Meyer Burnett and Chris Carr will be on. Make sure you guys come and join them live for that. will be the first time you guys are going to be able to join them live for it, which is super exciting. Once again, guys, make sure you guys support our channel by doing those three simple things. Click the subscribe button. Click the thumbs up button on the video. Leave a comment down below. All that kind of stuff helps our channel a lot. And make sure that you guys come back and join us for the next installment of the John Campia Show tomorrow. So for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr. Joining you guys in the live chat was Ray Ora. <laughs> Sitting back there, Taylor Gonzalez. Running the show, Jonathan Voico, And of course, Kaylee Robinson. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>